0: Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket
1: and theticketfm.com. That's right. We are back here on the block and we go to the Honda of Lincoln Hotline. We welcome in Andrew, Alex, as we do this time every Thursday. Andrew, the breaking news, Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens in agreement on a five-year deal sounding like he'll be the new highest paid player in NFL history. Your instant reaction, Lamar to Baltimore. What is it?
0: Uh, well, I think it was something that needed to be done. And, and ultimately for Lamar Jackson, it's uh You know, I I feel like the question has always been about his longevity and the injuries and what have you, but ultimately that hasn't materialized. John Harbaugh has built, uh, you know, what essentially equates to a program there uh, centered around, you know, one player and his capabilities, which are nearly unmatched in NFL history. So I, I think that when faced with the option of, Either push forward, pay the man, or part ways, it became clear that in order for the Baltimore Ravens to remain competitive, uh, and have any semblance of success with the organization as it's currently built, they were going to have to stick with the man that guided them to this point. So, uh, you know, obviously, uh, risks are still there and, you know, the durability of a player with a skill set of his nature is, uh, is a risk reward. But I, I think that the Ravens probably made the smart decision. Only time will tell.
1: How important was it on the franchise level to get this done before the draft starts tonight?
0: I mean, I think it answers a lot of questions, right? It, it, because ultimately, if they couldn't come to some sort of agreement, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, you need to start looking elsewhere. So I, I think that having that deal patent and Seinfeld delivered um, makes a clear statement, and the franchise knows its direction going forward. So as you continue to build a team going forward, you can continue to build it the way they've built it, uh, you know, over the course of the last half decade to this point, and that's around, uh, you know, the man from
2: Louisville, the former Heisman Trophy winner. Double A, what's going on, my friend? Always a pleasure to have you on the block. How are you? Always a pleasure to be here, Strick. Good. Well, a couple questions uh, right now. Um, about two players in particular. Well, actually three. Uh, one or two being um how far does CJ Stroud fall? And does does Jalen Carr Clark uh Jalen Carter make it outside or inside the top ten? And then last, the last question is. Um, do you see Anthony Richardson Jr. as a better fit with the Colts or with Seattle based on his style? Um, so I guess I'll start
0: off with the Anthony Richardson. I, when I look at Anthony Richardson, I certainly see uh, maybe the biggest question mark in this entire draft, right? I mean, y- you look at it and oh, you look shoot. at the skill set and the arm strength and the We're, size. And oh, the
2: hold that, hold that. Uh, double A. Double A, bring that back. You kind of got cut off for a second. I want to make sure we get your full your full answer. You got cut off right at uh, Anthony Richardson, so go start there.
0: Yeah, when I look at Anthony Richardson, what I see Strick is I see uh, the biggest wild card in this NFL draft, right? Because it really can go a number of ways. Uh, When you see him on, you know, in the combine and throw in, it's, it's clear. You know, he has the arm strength, he has the physicality, he has the size. Uh, it almost reminiscent of Josh Allen, who had the accuracy issues, if you will, at the collegiate level uh, that a lot of people point to Richardson and say is his shortcoming. With that being said, if you watched enough Florida Gators games last year, I, I just don't know if I ever got the the sign that AR-15 was – an NFL quarterback. I, but you know These scouts, they, they know more than me, and the question is whether he. he's I mean, certainly worth taking a flyer on, given the upside. I don't think there's any sort of short sure thing. I think that in terms of fit, uh, I think that Seattle probably would be the better fit for him. Number one, because of the way that Geno Smith is playing right now. And the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is that Anthony Richardson is not the kind of quarterback that's going to be expected or can be expected to step in on day one and lead your football team to any sort of mm-hmm. success. So the opportunity to sit and learn behind Geno Smith, a guy who, you know, as we've seen, uh, thrust into the spotlight early on in his career, probably before he was ready, and it took him a while to develop, but he has turned into, and what we saw last year, a top half of the NFL caliber quarterback. I think that'd be the perfect type of player for Richardson to sit and learn behind without all that much pressure and you know, give Pete Carroll the opportunity to see if he is that quarterback in the future once uh, they're done with Geno Smith over there. Uh, the Colts, they got nothing. They're going to have to throw him out there, whoever they pick. You know, the expectations. Hey, 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 Gardner
1: Minshew's there. Wait, I'm not <laughs> thrilled about that either. Just kidding. <laughs>
0: I mean, you know what I'm saying. Hey, no disrespect to Gardner Minshew. I do love to Gardner Minshew. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, whoever Indianapolis uh, chooses to pick is going – there is going to be an expectation that that gentleman is going to, uh, you know, probably step in, hopefully step in. They're going to want him to step in in year one, if not on opening day, uh, you know, somewhere uh, halfway through the season. Uh, On the Jalen Carter question – I I, I love him as a player, besides the physicality, what he was able to do at Georgia uh, over the course of the season. Uh, I think that someone does pick him within that top 10. Chicago is, uh, you know, a possibility from what I've heard. They're trying to build up on that defense. Uh, Philly. You know the possibility of them actually making a move to go get him is something that's been widely reported. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a big question. I could definitely see him falling to Philly at ten. That'd be mm. really interesting. I think Philadelphia, as good as they were this year, has the opportunity with you know not only that pick at ten, but the opportunity to potentially get B. John Robinson at twenty. Uh, they could improve a team that was already already very good. As for C.J. Stroud, I don't think he falls very far. No further, I mean, no further than the Colts. That's <laughs> just kind of how I see it. Ultimately, our quarterback-hungry team, someone's going to move up into the top five to take him. It's a question of who goes first, him or Levitz. I think Bryce Young is your uh, is your number one, and I think that's people in my city, as I look over beautiful, you know, the skyline of uptown Charlotte, North Carolina, through the cracks in my in the buildings, I can see the scoreboard of Bank of America Stadium, and I think that that's where uh, Bryce Young is going to be shooting up and playing football, probably as a day-one starter uh, here. So I'm going to be very interested to see that and uh, ultimately very interested in, uh, see what kind of impact he can make on the Carolina Panthers, a team who kind of got hot at the end of the season, despite a terrible quarterback situation and a lackluster roster. They've made the move to go up and get him, obviously parting ways with DJ Moore in the process. But the NFC South is a uh, uh, as winnable of a division as there is in the you NFC know, football league right now. and uh, I'd be very curious to see, uh, you know, what kind of impact he can make right away. So that's me giving my, my full-fledged endorsement to what I believe the Panthers we'll do tonight.
1: Andrew, we've heard that the Texans and the Cardinals want to move off their picks if they can at number two and at number three, haven't had a lot of takers, at least so far in the pre-draft process. Do you think anything gets done with either one of those picks here tonight?
0: Um, well, you know, it certainly is interesting. And it's the curse of one lovey Smith in Houston, right? where, if you believe that Bryce Young is the only tenable quarterback in that draft, well good for Lovey Smith. A parting gift winning in the week eighteen. <laughs> right. And pushing them back to that number two pick. Uh demand is certainly I, well, there's always gonna be demand. It's just a question of right, like you gotta play risk reward, right? So if you're the if you're the Texans or if you're Arizona, I don't think that is in need of a quarterback. Houston is in need of a quarterback, but that's a bad football team. Awesome. That's a bad football mm-hmm. team's trick. I, I think that you know, given the nature of Ryan Ryan's his philosophy, as uh, you know, a, a football mind, if you will, he's going to want to build up that defense that has so many glaring holes. So, I mean, if they can move back, I think they will. But I just don't know if the demand is going to be high enough. I think they could go ahead and, and pick an Anderson or, or you know someone. Off the edge to provide a little spark for them, knowing that they, and this isn't going to be a one-year project, and they'll probably find themselves in the top five again next year, especially if they're rolling out uh, Davis Mills once again, and then suddenly go into a draft with, uh, you know, we're looking at the likes of, uh, of Drake May and others in there, and you know that is more likely to be your quarterback of the future because I mean I, though I did just endorse Price Young because I think he has a ton of upside and every time I've watched him play football, I've been impressed. Uh, I I don't think that any of these guys are, especially beyond him are home runs by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, no, I, I just wouldn't be, if you can trade off of it and get multiple picks, you know, maybe get a future first or a second or something like that and go ahead and do it. But, you know, and Anderson wouldn't be, um, uh, a slouch either. and same goes for the Cardinals who certainly aren't picking a quarterback but at three with Anderson off the board I could see them you know maybe trading back a few spots just to uh and and they can play chicken with teams like the Colts with Mm -hmm. teams like Seattle uh to try to you know raise that stock and who knows maybe Washington my team but uh I, I think that as of now, they're probably just planning on rolling with Sam. Howe given the uncertainty in that organization, the change of ownership and all that coming? Kind of, no one's going to have the green light to make a, a franchise altering pick like that. So, uh, I, I, I don't think we'll see if the pick is traded, the kind of return that we've seen on a number two or number three pick, uh, in even recent years past, uh, If they're okay with that, that's fine. Uh, Because, you know, I I think a team like Houston is so far away, and a team like the Cardinals might not necessarily be as far away. Uh, But, yeah, it's going to be extremely interesting.
1: If there's a wild card team in the draft, to me it's Las Vegas. I don't know what that front office is up to. That's another team that I think has a lot of holes to fill. Who's the wild card tonight for you?
0: My wild card, I mean, I did just mention, I think that Philly could really, you know, if they could land B. John Robinson and a, a, a Jalen Carter caliber player, then you go for a guy like Carter who might drop a little bit, still got an incredible amount of outside, reminds me a lot of uh, Jonathan Allen, the captain of my, my Washington team, who due to injury concerns fell, like. 15 spots from his, like, two weeks out from the draft projection. Washington snagged him up at, like, 12 or 13 or something like that. and He's been a uh, you know franchise-caliber player ever since. If you could do that, combine that with the B. John Robinson, we know that, obviously, running backs are uh, not at a premium in the first round of the NFL draft <laughs> for, for, you know, obviously value reasons in the long term and, and whatnot and injury risk. But uh, I think Philly has a huge chance. To improve, you know, an already tops in the NFC offense uh, going into this year. So, my wild card team would be Philly. See how they uh, can take best advantage uh, of the couple of picks that they present them.
2: Last, uh, well, one of the last things I have for you, Andrew, is is looking at the playoff picture now. Is it's beginning to shape up. Uh, one, the Celtics are are tripping right now, just kind of allowing. Uh, Atlanta to get a sniff. And then you've had some, some lower seeds just go in and take care of business and 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 knock off some some top seeds. Uh and obviously the situation going on with Sacramento with the injury to DeArian Fox that just that just the timing is similar to like what happened with San Francisco, I think, uh to have that kind of impact with Brock Purdy being injured and just not able to have any extra quarterbacks to help out. Uh, in one of the biggest games, uh, when they had a great opportunity to knock them off, what what's your what's your view on you know why the NBA has, is 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 closing out this way with like Miami and you're having them upset an eight seed and you're just having these lower seeds just really giving giving guys that work and and and, and making it tough for these top tier seeds uh, to be able to uh, move on.
0: Well, i got a couple of answers for that trick. Number one, I think a lot of it's going to be the byproducts of the, uh, you know, like the current system at the stands where you have players sitting a lot, so the seating isn't necessarily always reflective of how good the teams actually are. I don't think that's the biggest factor in this case. I mean, you look at Miami over uh, Milwaukee, and there's a couple of factors that play into that. Number one, uh, first and foremost, is going to be the Giannis injuries, right? I mean, you gave Miami three shots at Milwaukee uh, without – Giannis on the floor they took two of them and Miami's already behind the eight ball Giannis has got to come back he's got to play And if you watch that game last night uh I I mean I don't know what you can't blame everything on the injury but in the fourth quarter Giannis was just so bad it was like truly like such a the best player in the NBA in my humble opinion and I think that the stats and hardware at this point agree with that (laughs) at least if you take a you know, three, four year running sample just looks like a shell of himself and is literally a net negative to his team. Budenholzer makes up some boneheaded decisions and, uh, you know, not calling out to advance the ball on multiple opportunities, not leaving Brooke Lopez on the floor to contest Jimmy Butler, who is the alternative factor there. Because Jimmy Butler, yeah, he is a cool, cool cat, man. I've never seen more, man. You know, in an era where there's so much flash and glamour and everyone just wants to, you know, be on television and stuff like that. Jimmy Butler makes no excuse. He just goes out there and balls. And he earned every single point in both of those wins, uh, you know, when Giannis was back and now the Miami Heat are moving on. So who's a winner there? Uh, the New York Knicks, who upset the team that I thought uh, was going to play pretty well in this playoffs. The Cavaliers. Uh, you know, now them or Miami are booking a trip to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Boston obviously has been getting tripped up by the Atlanta Hawks a little bit, kind of embarrassing on their end, and uh, you know loses some steam. Now on the other side of the equation, right? I mean, unless Memphis can mount a uh, a pretty solid comeback, you have Lakers Warriors on one end of the bracket. It's like, you know, we we end up, we we get this world of parody in the NBA, and we're still going to end up with one of the two, you know, dominant, powerhouse, every bandwagon is a fan of teams that have, you know, dominated the league for at least the course of the last uh, five or so years. So it's uh, not nothingly because we're dominant last year. But it's LeBron James, it's Steph Curry, the two players that have defined a generation, and they're going to be facing off potentially here in the second round. I, I think that makes for for must see uh, television. Obviously, you know, injuries are a factor, and you you, have, you feel bad for the Kings fans because what poor timing to lose uh, such a prolific player like the Aaron Fox. But uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, Derek, I, I think that uh, parity plays a role. I think that poorly timed injuries play a role, (laughs) but the result that we're getting is uh, these powerhouse teams, these teams that uh, everyone recognizes, you know, from the course of recent NBA history. Your Boston, your Miami's, your New York, your Golden State, uh, and the like—they're moving on. Who's your dark horse in all of it? I guess, think the Denver Nuggets. So it's Denver
2: sublimated, if you will. Sounds good. There he goes. Double A, drop in science once again. uh, Obviously, the uh, draft is about to happen really soon, so we'll see if some of these things come to pass, Uh, some of our thoughts that we've kind of laid out here, uh, if they formulate. Uh, NBA stuff is crazy. We just don't know how that's going to all pan out, but we got to keep our ears open. Double A, Alex. 247 Sports, my guy. Thank you once again for joining us on the block.
0: Hey. Thanks, as always, Stricko. always a pleasure to be here. Uh, a couple shout-outs. Shout-out to my New Jersey Devils tonight. NHL doesn't get touched on all that much, at least when I come on this program. But the Devils 2-5-1 losses to the Rangers at home to get the series started. They got out to win the Madison Square Garden. They're headed back to Jersey. Uh, and tonight sets up very well. I'm very nervous uh, for that one. And good luck, Nathan Brennan, uh, covering the draft tonight. From Kansas City. Don't get arrested, buddy. Uh, I, I won't tell anyone on this radio program what happened uh, when me and Nathan, in the, in the midst of COVID, it was the first time we had seen each other. Uh, you know, when everyone was locking down, we got together, a uh, bottle of vodka, maybe a couple of bottles of vodka, a couple of friends, NFL draft. Really, like we've all come a long way since then. So it all comes full circle, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> well, that's good, man. We hope to see you next week and we'll see how this thing's all panned out and played out. But uh, uh, Andrew Alex, 247 Sports, joining us on the block. we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Cross it over with the old school crew right after this, 93.7 The Ticket.